0: Welcome to the Stop Dieting Podcast, hosted by best-selling, award-winning, author, and renowned weight loss expert, David Medansky. If you struggle to lose weight, or you've lost weight and gained it back, you'll want to listen each week. Each week, you will learn tips for healthy weight loss without going on a diet, without having to follow an exercise program, without counting calories, or having to purchase special meals or products. The Stop Dieting Podcast is more than just about healthy and sustainable weight loss. You will also learn how you can have more energy, feel better, get rid of brain fog, and improve your overall health. Stay tuned for another informative and insightful episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and share this with your friends.
1: Hi, this is David Medansky. Welcome to another episode of Stop Dieting. Today, we have a very special guest, Monica Cox. Monica is a top holistic functional fertility coach and infertility warrior. Welcome, Monica.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me on.
1: So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into fertility.
2: Yeah, I'm going to give you the clip notes. So basically, I dealt with fertility issues Right when I was like 27. So I was really young. I was fit. I was healthy. And they just couldn't explain it. So we did some rounds of IVF. That didn't work. And when they told us that there was nothing that we could do, I had low egg quality. I was 30 years old by then. Just keep doing IVF. That's when we decided to do something radical and I changed my diet. And that's how I got into the holistic and the functional space just because the medical world left me with no other answers, you know, or nothing really else to do. And diet did work for us, but it took a while because I was trying to follow the fertility diet or, you know, the guru saying this diet is for you and this diet's for you. And so Eventually, I learned that the number one thing that I needed to do, and I, which I think most people need to do, is really find their food intolerances and really build a healthy lifestyle around that.
1: When you talk about diet and changing your diet, could you give an example of what you changed, what you were eating, and then what you started to eat?
2: Yeah. So I thought it. I was healthy. I mean, I wasn't really eating takeaways or McDonald's or lots of candy, but I was definitely just eating the normal, pretty easy to go, you know, like canned sauces and packages and things like that. So just kind of normal. And then when I first started changing on my diet is really just getting rid of the easy stuff, right? So cooking at home, uh, trying to make sauces from scratch, adding a lot more vegetables because the reality was that I was probably eating maybe 10 and it was the same 10 every single week. And so just really eating a lot more clean, that's the best way I can put it. And then staying away from kind of all the common things that you hear, gluten, soy, dairy, and then high high sugars, which for me included fruits, because I actually had a fructose intolerance, which I didn't even know that existed. Because right, people tell you fruit is good for you. So that was kind of the basics where we started from, you know, breakfast used to be toast or cereal, you know, something really easy where I had to wake up 15 minutes extra and cook a a meal. So at the beginning, I started eating steak, sautéed spinach and eggs. And then it evolved from there.
1: It's interesting because here you thought you were eating healthy. And yet you found out that even though it was what you call a normal diet or what most people would eat, it wasn't very healthy. So you had to figure out what was healthy for you, correct?
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you No doctor, no one, no friend's family would look at us and be like, you have an unhealthy diet, right? And even my husband, it took him a long time to wrap his head around that the diet had anything to do with it because he was, and we were both very high functioning as well. He was a fast jet pilot in the Royal Air Force. I was a preschool teacher, you know, like we just weren't putting one and one together until you start eliminating those things and you start seeing your normal and common health issues slowly disappear. And you're like, oh, wow, this is pretty insane.
1: How did you figure out that you had a fructose intolerance?
2: Just by trial and error. So I was just eating a lot of fruit, especially bananas. And I just realized that I would get a bloated stomach or, you know, I had IBS, like probably more than half of America.
1: And and just for the audience, that stands for irritable bowel syndrome, correct?
2: Yes. Yeah. And so I think it's just, I mean, the, the way I found out that I was intolerant to a lot of things was just by elimination and time. At the time when I was doing this, there wasn't really good food sensitivity tests out there. I was living in the UK as well. So really, it was just watching my body's symptoms. And I think I did have a fructose intolerant then too, because my gut health was so low. And usually when your gut health is in dire repair, you have a lot more sensitivities as well.
1: And you also mentioned that everybody's unique and different. We're all individuals. So everybody has to figure out what's going to be best for them, because some people may tolerate some foods and other people may not be able to tolerate it. What advice can can you give to the audience about that?
2: Yeah, there's two ways, really. It's investing in a high-quality food sensitivity test that does more than an IgG. So please don't go down to Target and get your you know cheap food sensitivity test. That is, I would say, one of the easier routes to go down, especially if you've played around with elimination before and you feel like things just still aren't working for you. I've seen crazy things like coconut, avocado, asparagus, green beans show up on these tests that, you know, really healthy, normal foods. The way I did it was elimination and just really getting in tune with my body and watching my symptoms, which could range from, I mean, for me, it was mostly my gut, but for other people, it could be skin, hair, mood achy joints. I've heard someone, I had someone like had like a tickly at the back of their throat after they ate, you know, certain foods. So it's really just getting in tune with your body. And unfortunately that one takes time because it sometimes isn't just as clear. You know, some some people can eat gluten and really see, oh God, that gave me bloating or diarrhea or this. Where sometimes for me, my food sensitivity towards nightshades, they don't actually show up until three days after. And then it could be like a host of different things. And then like I previously said, it depends on your gut health too. And whether it can really withstand that intolerance for the day or not.
1: And when we talk about nightshades, could you give some example of what you mean by nightshade foods? Because not everybody in the audience may understand that.
2: Yeah. So it's a group of foods. They include the most common ones are tomatoes, paprika, aubergine, potatoes, a lot of like chilies. So like bell peppers are included as well. These foods just come from a family. They have a, a natural defense called lectins and for a lot of us who either are genetically prone or over time have just gained a sensitivity to them and that lectane just wreaks havoc
1: Beans and legumes are also considered with the lectanes also That's yeah. why we need to soak them or, or use a pressure cooker to cook them correct
2: Yeah there's there's lots of different things, nuts and seeds. I mean, I mean, stepping into the autoimmune paleo diet is like stepping into a different universe, and proceed with caution. And it's not a diet that I even recommend people stay on for a long time. And that's why it's like it very important to find what you are intolerant to, because there's things on the autoimmune paleo diet I'm totally fine on, and even though I have an autoimmune issue, I can eat those things. It's just such a restrictive diet. And with the, for the gut microbiome, that's just not the ultimate goal. And to be honest, just for lifestyle wise, you know, to be that restrictive all the time is just not really mentally healthy for a lot of people. So it's really just staying on that diet for the healing phase and then really finding what you can introduce back in.
1: I agree with you on that. And that's what I advocate. I tell people, if you want to lose weight, never go on a diet instead change your diet. I guess that's a big difference is because diets tend to be extreme temporary, hard to stick with a lot of them, as you mentioned are potentially dangerous. And again, when it comes to the weight loss diets, because they are temporary, people shouldn't be on them for a long time. And as you said, it restricts what you, you should be eating and maybe that's not what's in your best interest for being healthy or, you know, may cause some of the fertility issues. I'm curious. Were there any hormonal issues with the fertility issues you had or was it just food related?
2: I had a slight hormonal issues but nothing that I would say that the, the doctors would pick up on. If anything, I probably did have a short or low progesterone phase which is the the latter phase of your cycle. For me, my fertility issues was actually just due to high inflammation and oxidative stress because of leaky gut. And diet was the main thing that helped me heal that. Obviously, there was other things like mental and emotional, because obviously, if you don't love yourself, or you don't think you're worthy, or if you have a lot of subconscious beliefs, these are what hinder you to do the physical actions you need to do to stick to a quote-unquote diet or a new lifestyle. That's what I kept telling myself. This isn't a diet. This is a lifestyle. And it really is now. I still eat very similarly,
0: similarly
2: to what I did when I was dealing with infertility. So for me, it was just high, high inflammation. But when people are having hormone imbalances anyways, that's due to high inflammation and oxidative stress anyways. Things are just getting completely whacked off. And your gut health is, you know, just essential to a lot of those hormones and the way, you know, even your thyroid works, you know, it's all, it's all linked together. So we don't just focus on like one area. Do we diet is one central part. And I think as physical beings on physical earth diet is the physical thing we do. So other than moving, obviously that's important to our health, but it's all connected for sure.
1: Yeah. And that's why I explain to people, there's a difference between being on a diet and the diet is the food you're eating, different meaning for the word diet.
2: Yeah, exactly. And we talk about just honoring yourself, you know, trying to become a mom, you know, when you get pregnant, you're kind of hyper-focused on what you put in your mouth. And so we're kind of creating those conscious mamas of like just raising that a little bit more and doing it before egg and sperm meet. And that actually with, you know, the science behind epigenetics is just as important as what you're doing when you're pregnant.
1: Sounds good. You're also the author of the best-selling journal, Boost Your Embryos. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, it's just an introductory into the six steps that we talk about. So diet, rest and recovery, exercise, awareness, supplementation, and movement. So a little introduction to that. And then it's just a guided journal to help you keep mentally focused. So just questions to end your day on a happier note, really shift the negativity of, you know, doing a new diet and having to do all these things. You know, you look at the world that everyone else doesn't have to do. And it's so easy for them really shifting that mindset. And then you can track your progress with your eating and your sleep and your medication and all that. And then it has an inspirational meal plan at the end of it with 30 plus inspirational recipes. Just like we said, you know, it's a low inflammation diet And it's just for inspiration for you to incorporate some of it into your life or all of it into your life and just find where you are and start doing it from there.
1: How can the audience get a copy of the journal?
2: Yeah. So there's a PDF version off of my website, which is findingfertility.co. And if you want a hard version, it's actually printed from Amazon. So anywhere in the world, you can probably get it.
1: Okay. That sounds really good. What are some of the things you do to help your clients with the fertility issues?
2: Yeah, I mean, just like we were talking about, diet is probably the number one thing. We want to get them on the cleanest diet they can possibly do to really radically drop that inflammation and oxidative stress, boost their hormones, boost their gut health. And then the second most important thing is the stress and the mindset you know, people already are doing the walking and the yoga, like we know these things, right? But it's really honing in. And big part of my practice is actually helping them see those missing pieces back in their childhood, their teen years, their early 20s, because we weren't born this this way, right? We weren't born, you know, depressed and trying to figure out different diets and what works for us. So when you get to that core of, okay, this is why I'm type A, or this is why I can't stick to my commitments and really hone in on that. I think everything else that you have to do on this physical earth, it gets a lot easier.
1: They help people get to some of their underlying issues of maybe why they're self-sabotaging without realizing it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty good at, I call myself your honest best friend. So I'll get it out of you and then we'll find someone like a trained professional that you might need to see to really help move through these things to get through them.
1: How is the best way for someone to reach out to you if they would like to get some help from you with their fertility issues?
2: Yeah. I'm at Monica, or no, I'm not at Monica Cox. I'm at findingfertility.co and findingfertility everywhere on social media.
1: Okay, so they can find you and reach out to you? Absolutely. And you work via Zoom and phone, or, or how is it? It's not just that where people have to be physically present, correct?
2: Yeah, no, my practice is all online.
1: Excellent. And you also have your own podcast. Talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, so it's called Finding Fertility. Everything's Finding Fertility. And yeah, we just dig into everything that you probably aren't thinking about that's related to your fertility issues and, you know, why you can't stick to your diet, you know, why you feel like you have to do IVF within the next six months. So we really just kind of hone in on the hidden things that are really missing. The medical stuff is obviously important and we bring that in, but there's a lot of things that our doctors aren't telling us they they're not aware of. And to be honest, society hasn't really set us up to explore these things so that's what the podcast mainly focuses on now
1: what would you say are some of the things that the medical community are not aware of or not telling patients
2: that most infertility issues have nothing to do with their lady bits (laughs) you know they very much hyper focus on that area and the fact of the matter is is that your gut your liver your adrenals your thyroid, your hypothalamus, your pituitary, you know, all those are what actually controls fertility, controls hormones, controls, you know, aid quality. So it's really honing in on those areas and improving those areas. And it will eventually trickle down. You know, it works as one. And so that's kind of a really hard message to get through to people that, you know, don't focus on your ovaries. You know, there's lots of things that come before, before that, that is unfortunately not functioning properly at the time. But the good news is that there's so many holistic ways that you can improve your situation.
1: And you know this from experience because you had your own infertility or fertility journey, correct?
2: Yeah. So I do have an IVF baby and two months after my last miscarriage from a frozen embryo transfer, I got pregnant naturally. So when I got pregnant, naturally, that's when kind of the universe was like, you need to do this full time. (laughs) I had already studied, you know, all the holistic and functional stuff I had already trained. I thought I was going to take that and do early education with it, which I had been doing for 20 years. And yeah, the universe was like, you can actually impact the children's lives before they even come into this world. And at the same time create, you know, conscious mothers and fathers.
1: So biggest issue for most people would be the food and what they put into their body as opposed to some of the other, I guess that manifests in, in the health issues then for, for women and for men in both areas as for what they're doing um, without realizing it.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think diet has been, I mean, obviously, you know, this over the past hundred years just got worse and worse and worse. So I think just not knowing what we were doing, because genetically we're so prone to fight, right? Like, Our bodies can go through so much. They can take so much damage. But what's happened over the generations is that, you know, every generation just gets a little bit weaker and weaker. And you come to me, I mean, I had a full blown autoimmune issue at 17 years old. That shouldn't happen. And diet absolutely plays a big key in that. But to be honest, what I'm seeing in my practice now is it's actually the mental and emotional trauma that everyone's gone through. Whether you want to categorize it as a little t or a big t, it does the same thing. And I think people just aren't aware of that. So it's really honing in on that because I think a lot of us do associate food with comfort, with, you know, habit, you know, with all those types of things like food and drink are our go tos. And sometimes culturally, it is, you know, a really, really big thing. So, Now that we have a lot of cultures living in a Western diet society, and I'm like, hey, you've got a full-blown autoimmune issue. We've got to really look into taking paprika out or tomatoes out. I mean, it is hard for them, right? Because that is the staple of their diets. I mean, even just growing up, me in San Diego, Mexican food, like it was hard to give up a lot of those things because it's just all around you. It was part of your life. So I think it's both. And, and like you say, and as you know, even with diet, everyone's different. And that's my job is to really get them to see this is the area you need to focus on. Sometimes like you've done the diet, you've got it, you're done, you know, like just keep focused on that. Let's bring your attention to your stress levels now.
1: Excellent. Very good advice there. I was reading recently that people are tending to smoke more now. Cigarettes. Really? Yes. How does smoking impact fertility?
2: Yeah. Like it's just a no go, right? (laughs) I mean, I have had a few clients, husbands dealing with weed issues more so than cigarette smoke. I have not I mean, cause that's kind of like the first thing, right? Like that's one-on-one basic. If you're a smoker, you need to stop. If you're having fertility issues, I don't, I couldn't tell you the science behind, you know, what smoking actually does, but I mean, there's enough evidence out there that no one should be smoking really on a chain, you know, basis every once in a while. Sure. But I think what I'm seeing is actually a weed problem with the men, Because they think it's this natural thing, it's no big deal. And, you know, anything too often is not good,
1: right? Yeah. Is there one piece of advice that you can give some of our females in the audience as to what they can do if they're having some fertility issues?
2: Yeah. So the biggest thing is be gracious to yourself. Okay. This is not your fault. Your body is not broken. And this is, this goes for everyone, right? Like the issues that you're dealing with right now, you did not choose. So it's really being gracious with yourself and being patient as well, because changing up lifetime habits is incredibly hard for most people. And we all stumble. And it's when you stumble and you pick yourself back up and you continue that's winning, right? So if you keep stumbling, just keep picking yourself back up and keep going. And if you do find yourself really struggling with sticking to the physical commitments that you know, maybe you paid someone to tell you, or you just internally know that this is going to you know, be better for your life, that's when you need to start digging into the subconscious mind because that's where the limiting belief is. So know that... It's not you. You just can't do it. I'm not meant for this. It's really something inside of you that's holding you back. And if you explore that, you'll get through it.
1: So you also help people get through, do the breakthroughs and get through some of those underlying issues.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I I have a modality called Site K. It's a little bit out there. It's a little woo woo, (laughs) but it's it's a modality just that taps into the subconscious mind and we find what the issue is and we reverse it pretty quickly.
1: Do you use any affirmations or declarations in the process? Those
2: can be incredibly helpful. I actually have a podcast speaking why your affirmations don't work. So I want to be really clear with people on this is that Do I believe if you stand in front of a mirror and say affirmation after affirmation that it will work? Yes. But sometimes people will take months or years for that affirmation to work if they're really consistent with them saying that to themselves. Because sometimes the subconscious belief about that affirmation is so deep that it just takes a long time for that specific affirmation to quote unquote work for you. So it's much better to address those root causes and then use affirmations as a tool, right? I think a lot of the times we've been sold, well, just in front of the mirror and say this over and over again. Like, trust me, I did it. (laughs) So it's really getting down to that core. And if you find yourself going, okay, I've literally listened to this affirmation 21 days, you know, nine hours through the night and I still don't feel it. Cause that's how, you know, it's working. If you feel when you say that out loud and you feel differently, that's when it's kind of time to seek support or, you know, do something that can really get to the core of why you're not feeling that affirmation yet.
1: So it's, it's not so much the words as it is the belief.
2: It's the belief. And the feeling. Absolutely. Yeah, the words are powerful, obviously what we speak. I mean, just for an example, when I was going through my journey, I didn't, I wasn't really hardcore into subconscious mind stuff, but I changed up the word if. So I used to say if I get pregnant, you know, I was protecting myself to when. And that's all I changed up. I said, when I get pregnant. And that was enough for my subconscious to kind of go, oh, okay, you do want to get pregnant. Okay, we we can start making this, you know, different things happen. Did I get pregnant right away? Absolutely not. <laughs> That's not how it works. But I definitely saw a different mind shift change in me that there was a possibility. And you got to remember, I know I didn't tell my full story, but I did not see a positive pregnancy test for almost six years. So it was a really long journey. So the information and the knowledge that I have now about subconscious mind and mindset, it could have radically changed my, my journey for the better.
1: And what you're telling people is don't give up.
2: Oh, that's a big word. I think everyone, what I like to say is there's time to surrender, right? And surrendering doesn't mean that you stop the actions towards your ultimate goal surrendering is about releasing your grip, right? This is a big thing I do with my clients because most of my clients want to be pregnant yesterday, right? And so they're just gripping on and, and these medical treatments almost kind of say to them, well, we can give you results within a month. And the fact of the matter is like, no, your body needs time to heal way more than a month. So we talk a lot about Surrendering to the process. So, even I know what you would do with your stuff is we're living a lifestyle now. Okay. So, we're building this lifestyle. So, let's surrender to just living a lifestyle that would get you pregnant, that would maintain that pregnancy, that would lead to a beautiful birth and a beautiful postpartum instead of I have to do this checklist. I have to do this, this, and this for my fertility or this, this, and this for my health. Right. So there's a point in time where you just need to stop. I don't want to ever say don't give up, but surrendering is a much kinder word for people and releasing.
1: I like that. It's interesting. I know several people who went through the adoption process and adopted a child and then they became pregnant afterwards, I guess, because they surrendered to the fact that um, they weren't so stressed on focusing on what they we're attempting to do.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, stress is one of the major things and I know it's a touchy subject in the community, but they talk about just relax and you hear stories like this all the time. But the fact of the matter is if you start dealing with fertility issues, the stress of infertility actually makes your fertility issues worse. So it's a very... Once again, going back to the mindset stuff, it's really hard to just, you know, surrender to that process and trust your body when you have no evidence that your body is going to do that for you.
1: And there's a difference between manifestation and the affirmations, as opposed to what the universe is going to be helping you with, correct?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there. I think they're two different things, and the manifestation is be, do, have, right? And so a lot of People miss the being, right? The being is being that joyful, happy mother before you're even pregnant. And that is one of the hardest things to do. And for everyone, right? even say if you want to drop a hundred pounds, it's being that person before you get there, and then you do the physical actions that need, right? I always say you still got to get off your couch and go buy a lotto ticket to win the lotto, right? You still have to do physical actions. And then the have comes
1: and I guess patience is important. I know with weight loss, the national brands are always advertising those 15, 20, 30 pounds, your first month guaranteed. However, in my opinion, it's not healthy and number two, it's not sustainable. And that's the same thing with what you're saying with fertility is you have to be patient. It may not happen in the first month or two because you need to set the foundation with the lifestyle changes and the mindset changes and the psychological emotional issues to be dealt with.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, this whole quick fix, instant gratification, I personally think just keeps their pockets full, right? They just, people have to come back. They need repeat customers. So what we do is really find the root cause and the root core, and we create happy, healthy people that hopefully if they come back to us is for maybe a different reason, right? Or a different support. But I don't want repeat customers. I don't want people listening to my podcast for more than a year, right? Even if you don't ever pay me a dollar, I give you enough information to do these things yourself and usually when you pay someone it's for accountability. It's not really for the information, right? It's the accountability, the friendship, the coaching. And so yeah, when you take a functional holistic point of view, you know, we want you to refer your friends and family. We don't want to see you again, where the quick fixes, that's what they're banking on. And that's kind of, you know, I personally think there's a bit of malpractice going on in the fertility world. You know, these women are being sent through treatment after treatment and their mental and emotional and physical health is just declining. And unfortunately, you know, the statistics are out there that IVF babies are 30% more likely to have issues, whether that be autism or ADHD or food sensitivities, you know, the list goes on. And I don't think it's the IVF treatment. I personally don't believe that. I think it's the health of the mother and the father.
1: That's interesting. I find it similar to the weight loss industry because most people will attempt four to five new diets each year. And so my opinion is if those diet and weight loss programs work, why are people attempting four to five new diets each year why is it that 90 percent of people who lose weight on a diet gain it all back within a year some gain even more and that the average person will attempt 126 different diets during their lifetime so you know i call the weight loss and diet industry a racket because again it's about their bottom line getting repeat customers and again if those diet and weight loss programs work after a few years, the companies would be out of business and we we'll all be thinner and healthier.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. The writing's on the wall. I think people are slowly seeing that these things don't work. <laughs> we want long-term longevity, right? We we don't want to be yo-yos anymore.
1: Besides your journal, is there another book or books that inspired you or or... Change your perspective about fertility issues?
2: Oh gosh. You know what? At the time, no. <laughs> there wasn't really any good books. There was a book at the very end called The Better Baby Book by Dave Asbury, the Bulletproof Guy, and his wife and him wrote it, which is really good. It's pretty hardcore though. So it's not for the faint-hearted. But there's so many books out there now by amazing. Doctors and acupuncturists and health coaches that each individually give their unique perspective. And I think you can draw from a lot of them. There's a lot more information out there now. That's why, you know, I created a course, you know, to give people that step by step awareness of the things that they need to do. But there's so many resources now out there for people dealing with fertility issues who choose to take a holistic and functional approach now. It's great.
1: That's terrific. And and once again, we're getting to the end of the episode. Where can the audience reach out to you, your website again?
2: Yeah. So it's findingfertility.co, not.com. They wanted $3,000 for the M (laughs) and I'm just finding fertility everywhere else on social media.
1: Well, this has been terrific, Monica. Thank you so much for being a guest today. I really appreciate you taking the time.
2: Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Stop Dieting Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe so you won't miss a single episode to get more healthy eating and lifestyle tips. Motivate and inspire others to be healthy by sharing with your friends.